Jeremiah once again tonight. If you want to turn with me to Jeremiah chapter number 2, I'm going to do something a little bit different than I often do, and actually, to be honest with you, it's my preferred way of doing, but uh, sometimes in speaking, it's just easier to follow with a outline. I'm, I want us just to, tonight, we're going to look at uh, Jeremiah chapter 2, we're going to walk through the text. We're not going to give uh, really any uh, bullet-pointed outline here. Uh, this is simply the text speaking and giving the message, and uh, sometimes uh, I, I know for myself, when I do my own personal devotions, uh, this is exactly the style of reading uh, that I like to do, walking through every single verse, tr- seeking to draw application, draw that which God has for, for us. And I'll remind you of who Jeremiah is. Jeremiah uh, is a prophet. Jeremiah is a young man believed to be uh, in his early 20s. Um, Jeremiah, as we looked at last week, is a man who was called of God uh, to speak to the people. He was not a leader. He was not a speaker. Uh, and he was not one who really had any desire <laughs> to do that which he was called to do, and neither did he think he was hardly qualified. Uh, you remember in uh, Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse number 7, he says, uh, um, uh, or verse number 6, he says, Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a child. He says, God, I'm not capable, I'm not usable, this is not, this is not the job for me. Uh, why would you call me into this form of leadership? And we talked about that last week in the leadership in that uh, God calls leadership. As, as the Bible tells us in verse 5, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, I called thee, I knew, and I intended for you to be born at this time and in this place, and uh, for this purpose that I have called you to. And so we drew an application to that. God has called each of us just the same. And God has known since the very day in which we were conceived in the womb what he intended for us to do and what his purpose was for us. That purpose uh, may differ in God's calling one to the other. God may call you into an area of leadership in a church. God may call you into an area of leadership in the secular world. Uh, God has called us uh, all, if you are a parent here today, to be fathers and mothers. Uh, God has called all those who are... uh, um, married to be husbands and wives uh, and to fulfill the roles of their, uh, of their calling within their home. Uh, God has called all of us as believers to fulfill his commands of his word. We could go on and on with these things, uh, but all of us are called. Uh, God does not choose a specific sum uh, who will become Christians. Uh, the Bible tells us salvation is available to all, but when we give our lives to God, uh, the Bible tells us God has a calling and a purpose for us that should be fulfilled. So what we find in chapter 1 is really a, that we see the calling of Jeremiah and a recognition of the condition of the, the, children, the, the people of God, the children of Israel. Remember, this is a book which is written to the people of Judah. This is uh, the remnant, okay? This is the people that, uh, that remain of the people of God. Now, in the beginning portion of Jeremiah, uh, we find, um, uh, you know, this is uh, still by way of introduction of things. Not all has fully yet taken place, uh, but the sin that Israel had committed was there, okay? And that was the, the wide open before God's sin. And what was going to be told that was going to take place is what Jeremiah the prophet's going to do. So the entire book of Jeremiah and all that he speaks is a one large sermon, okay? Uh, but uh, what you find in the book of Jeremiah, it's not really in a chronological order in that sense of the way. In fact, some of the history and that which is spoken of uh, fit into different parts of the history of Israel because there's reference being brought back to them. 
But Jeremiah himself is called of God to speak to the people. And so now we've come into chapter 2, and here's where he begins his speaking. The Bible says, Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Go and cry in the ears of Jerusalem, saying, Thus saith the Lord, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals, when thou wentest after me in the wilderness in a land that was not sown. He says in verse uh, um, number two, go and cry in the ears, go speak to Jerusalem as I've called you to do. Here's what I want you to say. Thus saith the Lord. That's always a good way to begin any sermon, by the way, okay? Thus saith the Lord. This is what God says. This is not what I have to say. This is what God says. He says, I remember thee. I've underlined that in my Bible because that is, a, that is a theme that we see carrying through. God's forgiveness, God's love, it's, it's a remembrance. I've not forgotten you. From the day that there was, he uses the word espousal as with a marriage relationship. From the day that we began, we, we were in wed together. We began a relationship with one another. That love that I had for you then is still the same now. It has not been lost. It has not died. Uh, he says, I remember thee, the kindness of thy youth, the love of thine espousals. I remember when your love for me was just as great as my love for you. Uh, we, we, the picture that's given here is like that of a, a honeymoon couple. <laughs> nothing but love. Nothing but a desire to be with one another. Uh, to hold hands together. To put arms around one another. Uh, to talk with each other. Uh, you may not have a whole lot. Might live in an apartment. Uh, might not have a lot of finance. Might not drive a fancy car. But you have one another. And you're just in love with each other. And that you're satisfied with that and nothing more. And this is a reference as, as to what Jeremiah is making is, I remember when our love was that kind of a love. Uh, it was a love relationship that we just wanted to be together. Verse number uh, three, Israel was holiness. Here he's talking to the children of Israel, and notice the past tense, was holiness. You were a holy people. You sought to live in holiness. You represented the holiness of God by your very being of who you are. Uh, was holiness unto the Lord and the first fruits of his increase. All that devour him shall offend. Evil shall come upon them, saith the Lord. Uh, I chose you as my people to be a holy nation, a peculiar people, a separated people. Uh, that's why I've given you the law. That's why I've given you the land, uh, the promised land. That's why I've, I've drawn out the enemies within the land and I've given you this instruction. It's out of love, but yet it's also because you are a holy people. It is through your line. It is through this, the, the seed uh, 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 of, uh, of Israel that the Messiah himself is to come. That's what we'll see in this chapter is that promise of God. God says, I'm still keeping my promise. Uh, yes, there is judgment to come for the sin which you've committed, but I'm still keeping my promise I've made with you. I still love you. He says in verse number four, uh, Hear ye the word of the Lord, O house of Jacob, all the families of the house of Israel. Again, God has not forgotten us. He says, um, O house of Jacob. He's making now a reference. Do you remember the name change of Jacob was changed to Israel? In other words, it's a reference to the fact, hey, this was your past life. I've given you a new name. I've given you a new representation, a, a new relationship which you did not have. And he says, um, uh, and all the families of the house of Israel. 
can that just remind us in application that it doesn't matter what it is, when God speaks, it comes right back to the individual families. God speaks to us as a whole, but where does everything begin? It begins in the home. It begins with the family. And I don't think it's by any coincidence that God says, Oh, house of Jacob and all the families, every single one of you, fathers and mothers and husbands and wives and children, sons and daughters, every single one of you, I'm talking to you. This is where I'm speaking to you through by these things. Verse 5, Thus saith the Lord, What iniquity have your fathers found in me, that they are gone far from me, and have walked after vanity, and are become vain. The Bible tells us that they walked after vanity. They were, they were, as Solomon calls it, they were reaching for things that had no eternal value. Their pursuit of life was a pursuit of things that really had no eternal end. They were not going to take those things to be get to, together with them and God in heaven. That everything that they were living for and amounting up for served no purpose. But take note, he says, what iniquity have your fathers found in me? It would seem there's a generational problem that was here. How did this sin come into existence of this current generation? Jeremiah says through the, wor through the work of the Holy Spirit. He says, your fathers themselves and, and their, the training of you as children in this generation, uh, there was a problem. There was a wrong focus. There was a wrong emphasis. There was a, a worshiping of other gods. We'll see that. There was a, a, um, a service to God that did not exist, a relationship with God that did not exist. There was holiness, Jeremiah says. There uh, was a love that was never-ending. Uh, where does this start? It begins in the home, he says. But, hey, there's been a generational problem. And as a result, now you, you as a people are walking after vanity. He says in verse 6, Neither said they... Okay, now who is they? This is the fathers. This is the generation uh, that uh, had prepared that which was there. Neither said they... Where is the Lord that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, that led us through the wilderness, through a land of deserts and of pits, through a land of drought and of shadow of death, through a land that no man passed through and where no man dwelt? In other words, he says, hey, th these, th you, I'm speaking to you as a people. You've forgotten who, who God is, what God has done for you. You've forgotten the blessings that I've given to you. You've forgotten the purpose in which they've been given for for the designation in which I've given them to you for. You've forgotten what I've chosen you for. And, and the problem came where, hey, neither said they, where is the Lord? No one even thought to remember God. And that's why God begins through Jeremiah in verse number two. He says, I remember thee. You did not remember me, but I remember you. He says in verse number seven, and I brought you into a plentiful country. To eat the fruit thereof and the goodness thereof. Remember, a land flowing of milk and honey. And when he entered, uh, and when ye entered, ye defiled my lands and made mine heritage an abomination. In other words, if you read in the history of Israel, what did they do? God told them, hey, I want you as an army, as my people to go in and drive the enemy out of the land. But remember what happened. Instead, they welcomed the enemy in. They began relationships Families. They built families from them. And as a result, they began worshiping their gods. Okay? You've defiled. It's abomination in my eyes. And in later passage, you see him even referring to Israel as playing the harlot. Uh, you've, you've, uh, you've committed adultery before me. The promise that I've made to you and that you've made to me is not being kept on your side. God says, I remember thee. 
<laughs> we see in verse number 8. Now, where does this point? He points uh, to the family. He points to the generations. But he points even more specifically right back where chapter 1 began, to the leadership. He says in verse number 7, And I brought you into a plentiful country uh, to eat of the fruit of the, and the goodness thereof. But when ye entered, ye defiled my land and made mine heritage an abomination. The priests said not, Where is the Lord? And they that handled the law knew me not. The pastors also transgressed against me. And the prophets prophesied by Baal and walked after things that do not profit. He gives really four different people groups of leadership here. The first is the priests. Who is the priest? It is they who represented man to God. It was they in Bible times that they uh, were that mediator. Today we do not have priests because the law is no longer necessary, the Bible tells us. We now have the whole word of God. But in Bible times you had the priest who served as that mediator between man and God. And what was it that they did not do? Uh, they did not emphasize, the Bible tells us, they did not emphasize holiness. The Bible says, the priest said not, where is the Lord? They did not, it was they who were to represent the people before God. It was they who were to be the holy representation of the people. And they did not say, hey, is, is God given his rightful place? The priests themselves did not say, hey, well, where is God right now in what we're doing? That was their responsibility. That was their calling in their leadership. And, and yet Jeremiah says, they didn't do it. And he says, and they that handle the law knew me not. They that handle the law, this is the Levitical line, the Levites themselves. Uh, these are the people that are supposed to know, could we put it this way, they're supposed to know the word of God. Okay, They're supposed to uh, have an educated mind for sharing and giving and reading from the word of God. But what was the problem? They that handle the law knew me not. In other words, there was no real relationship there. They were going through the motions that of a leader with the law, reading through the very words of God and the commands of God, but there was no genuine relationship which they had with God. Uh, no leader for God can ever properly lead other people to God if they themselves do not have a relationship with God, as they should. Uh, this, this reminds me of a passage in 1 Timothy. Keep your finger here. Turn with me to 1 Timothy. And uh, uh, let's look together in um, uh, chapter number 1. Remember, here's Timothy being spoken to by Paul as a young pastor. And uh, he's been now passed down this pastoral leadership. And uh, there was a little bit of friction that was happening here and all this. But Peter gives, or Peter, Paul uh, gives Timothy a charge. And he says, hey, these are the things that you should be doing and keeping as the priority emphasis. He says, in verse number 4 of 1 Timothy chapter 1, Neither give ye heed to fables and endless genealogies, which minister, in question, minister questions rather than godly edifying, which is in faith so doing. In other words, uh, don't just be educated. Don't just be uh, Bible knowledgeable. Don't just go through the motions of Christianity and biblicalisms, okay? Uh, verse 5, now the end of the commandment is charity out of the pure heart and of a good conscience and a faith unfeigned, from which some having swerved have turned aside unto vain jangling. Okay, there's vain talk. Their talk is not spiritual. Some are vainly talking. And verse 7, desiring to be teachers of the law and understanding neither what they say nor whereof uh, uh, they affirm. They don't even know what they themselves are speaking, but they're just speaking it. 
they're just per, they're they're speaking what's in front of them, but there's not it's not coming from any uh, desirable change in their own life. Verse number eight. But we know that the law is good if a man use it lawfully, if a man knows how to use it, if he's just reading from it and it's just vain jangling. What's the point in it? Uh, verse number nine. Knowing this, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but for the lawless and disobedient and godly. For sinners, for unholy, for profane, for murderers of fathers and murderers of mothers, for manslayers, for whoremongers of them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons. He's giving the Ten Commandments. He says, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Remember we studied this a few months ago as a sound doctrine. That word sound means healthy doctrine. Uh, Paul says, here's what the emphasis should be, that we are giving attention to healthy doctrine. That no other doctrine would be taught, would be spoke, even if it's just vain jangling. Let alone if it's uh, an emphasis that has nothing to do with the very word of God. Sound doctrine. That's what God desires in the church, just the same today, is a healthy doctrine. Amen? Uh, a doctrine can be of anything. <laughs> we can make something to be uh, so doctrinally arguable. Okay, The one thing that should never change is the doctrine of, in this case, Community Bible Church. It should remain the same. Amen? The Word of God is that which we live by. The Word of God is that which we obey from. The Word of God is that which is preached from. We believe that tonight. Amen? And so that is, uh, if living by and preaching from and teaching from and reading from the Word of God, that is a healthy doctrine. But when it becomes unhealthy is when that is no longer the only doctrine. But other things are made at the same level of importance as the very Word of God. Uh, or, in some cases, uh, even greater importance than the very Word of God. And so, no other sound doctrine. Here's the very men who handle the law and, and, uh, of, the, uh, of the people of Judah. And they don't even have a right relationship with God. He continues in the third uh, group of leaders. He says, the pastors also transgressed against me. Uh, the, these are not pastors as we would think of today. Uh, in the New Testament, uh, we read of pastors and we're talking about like Pastor Miller, pastors of churches. But these are, uh, when you study that word in its original Hebrew writing, it's speaking of uh, a civil shepherd. Okay, like your governors, a mayor, or the king. Okay, these are your, uh, your leadership at this time. Okay, so what are the leaders not doing? The Bible tells us the pastors also transgressed against me. Uh, they're not uh, ha taking um, any responsibility in their leadership as well. Uh, they, they're uh, what God has uh, called them to. They're not fulfilling their calling. Remember, uh, to whom much is given, much is required. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. And uh, so uh, here God says, I've given these leaders leadership. And with what I have given to them, along with all the blessings that I've given to them, there is great expectation and obligation and obedience that must come as a result. Not to mention the love relationship that was once as it should be. Remember, the, the running the word which we read repetitively in the book of Jeremiah is the word backslidden. Or backsliding. And this is what Jeremiah who uses this word because he says, You have slidden back from what you once were. You are not the, the people that once had a love relationship with me as it, as it was. He continues, The prophets prophesied by Baal and walked 
after things that do not profit. In other words, it was their, their message, their, 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 what they were prophesying, what they were saying was not true. And now their behavior was, it was wrong as well. What is, the, what is the end result of all these things in verse number 8? The leadership was sinning before God. Now, in later passages, he goes into greater detail of what those sins were. Well, let's call it straight what it is. This was sin. It was a failure to fulfill the calling that God had laid upon their lives. And I know when I read this passage, God convicts my own heart here. God has called me to be a pastor. I must do the work of a pastor. And if I don't, I'm going to stand accountable before God if I don't. God has not, maybe has not called you to be a pastor, but God has called you. And are you fulfilling God's calling upon your life? We will all stand accountable before God. And you are a part of Community Bible Church. Uh, to much, who much is given, much is required. God has given us much as a church. And as a result, there's much responsibility that comes, as a, comes with that. And um, so we read in verse number 9, Wherefore, I will yet plead with you. He uses that word plead like that of a court, a court case. Okay, Here I am pleading my cause. Okay, I have not forgotten you. I still remember you. I'm still keeping my promise. But let me explain to you yet even further what the issues are here. Uh, he says, um, I will plead with you, saith the Lord, and with your children's children will I plead. Uh, he's talking about the next generation to come, okay? It is these very things that I'm going to remind even your own children about, that this is sin, which is now existing among God's people. He says, for pass over the isles of Chittim and see, and send unto Kedar and consider diligently, and see if there be such a thing. In other words, he's saying, look east, look west. Look north, look south, look at the, the nations around us. Look at the surrounding nations. Look at verse 11. Interesting thought Jeremiah brings out here. Hath a nation changed their gods, which are yet no gods? But my people have changed their glory for that which doth not profit. Be astonished, verse 12. Be astonished, O ye heavens, at this. And be horribly afraid. Be desolate, saith the Lord. What is he saying here? Verse number 11. Look at other nations. And what are they doing? They are committed to that which they believe in. They're worshiping their other gods and have been since they were children. From generation to generation, they continue to worship their lowercase g-o-d gods. They are worshiping their gods and they're faithful to that cause. Uh, they, and uh, he says, but you as my people, you've changed your whole calling. You've been unfaithful to that what I've called you to. I've called you to, uh, to be a, a people that, uh, that are obeying my word and that are worshiping me, but now you've changed your whole philosophy. You've changed your whole purpose. You have a whole other vision for that which you desire to do with your life, and it's not of me, it's not of God. It has nothing to do with the promise that we've made together, this espousal relationship that we have with one another. That's why he uses the phrase in verse 8 at the end of the verse. What were the prophets doing? They were doing, they were leading, the leadership was leading people into things which do not profit. There was no benefit being brought of it. They were committed to their cause. We think of society today, how, uh, what an application to ourselves. How many people are very committed to their ball teams? You know, uh, they watch every game. Sometimes they're there for every game. They know every player. They know all the plays. They, they get excited about it. They're in it. What about the people of God? Do we so know God? Are we so faithful to God? Do, could we quote Scripture? Could we speak of knowledge of Scripture? 
Could, could we? Uh, it, it, here's the question Jeremiah is bringing out to the people in rhetorical question. He says, you should be astonished. And that's why here he's pleading a cause. He's pleading a case here, okay? Like in a courtroom. And now he brings the whole universe in, in verse number 12. Be astonished, O ye heavens, and be horribly afraid. Be ye very desolate, saith the Lord. The whole universe of God's creation is doing what they were made and created to do. And yet my people are failing to do the very thing which I've made them to do. The ones who are made in my own image. The ones who are called by me, who are chosen by me. And yet every other nation, both east, west, north, south, uh, uh, and the very universe, all of creation, the animal life, the plant life, everything in existence is doing what I have created it to do. And yet the most unique to all of my creation is failing to simply love me, to remember me, to emphasize me. What a powerful passage of scripture, right? Here's Jeremiah. He says, I, I'm, not, I'm no speaker, Jeremiah says. I'm just, a, I'm just a young man. God says, no, I'm calling you to this. I want you to speak this to the people. Uh, boy, how convicting it is and should be to all of us. I know it is for me. Verse 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken and or they've forgotten me. The fountain of living water. That word living uh, it literally means moving waters. Okay? Like a river. Like fresh water. They've forgotten me. The, the fresh water of their life. They've hewn out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. I've yet to have the opportunity to go to Israel someday, Lord willing. Uh, but those cisterns are that which is being dug in the ground like a giant well, so to speak, okay? And from what I understand of, of, of a cistern is uh, the, the only issue and problem with it is that when dug out, if there remains even the slightest bit of a crack within that cistern, all the water within it will drain right out. So what is Jeremiah saying? He's like, you guys have gone way, 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 so far away from God, way out of your way. You've dug out your own cisterns. <laughs> You've tried to fill them up with all the things that are vanity and have no purpose. And as a result, it's going to profit you nothing. It amounts to nothing. All of what you're doing is pointless, purposeless. It's vain. It's not a relationship with God. It's, 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 it's worthless. Verse 14, is Israel a servant? Is he a home-born slave? Why is he spoiled or why is he plundered? Why is there no, uh, why is he not doing <laughs> what he has been called to do? Verse 15, the young lions roared upon him and yelled, and they made his land waste. His cities are burned with inhabitants. Also the children of Noth and Tehophanes had, have broken the crown of thy head. Hast thou not procured this unto thyself, in that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God when he led thee by the way? And now what hast thou to do in the way of Egypt, to drink the waters of Seor? Or what hast thou to do in the way of Assyria, to drink the waters of the river? In other words, uh, what are they doing? Verse 17 and 18, they were looking to the enemy for help when they needed help. They were coming to the enemy for blessings when they wanted a blessing, when they needed something. They, the, well, their failure was coming directly to God. Although we as God's people would not forget to come to God when there is a need. This was what, what they have forgotten to do. Verse 19, and we draw in conclusion at least for tonight in, in this passage. He says, Thine own wickedness shall correct thee. In other words, sin must be punished. Your sin will have a consequence. And thy backsliding shall reprove thee. 
you have slidden back from what I called you to do. Your, your law of relationship with me is not what it should be. So you have taken those steps back and it will correct you. There's pun sin will not go unpunished. Know therefore and see that it is an evil thing, in other words, it's sin, <laughs> and bitter, that thou hast forsaken the Lord thy God, and here's the issue, and that my fear is not in thee, saith the Lord God of hosts. In other words, there was no healthy respect for God. Why are we, Jeremiah says, why, why are you in existence on this earth, Israel? Why has God created you? All of creation is fulfilling their calling, are you? Why aren't you? Why are you a slave to other nations? Why is it other nations uh, are the ones who are... Uh, um, who you are bowing down to more or less and asking uh, to, for help when I'm available to you all the time. Oh, how we cannot but think in, in the Christian life, God is available to us always. Amen. And what is it that God desires for us to do? He desires for us to come to him when there's a need. Um, uh, we, here's, here's the bottom line. We come to God in prayer uh, we may be the very answer to our prayer that we're praying. Here's Jeremiah. Uh, he knows, and we read in the book of Lamentations, the weeping prophet. He knows the condition of the people. God says, hey, by the way, Jeremiah, the very thing which you have compassion and zeal and a stirred heart up about, I'm going to use you to speak to the people. <laughs> what, me? Not me. Why would you choose me to do that? God's work is done through God's people. Amen. If God's work is going to go forward, uh, we have to, at the very least, be willing to do whatever God would call us to do, whatever it may be, even if it means such sacrifice that is changing our whole way of living. Uh, the, the, the temptation, the, the fault for the believer is the same as it was for the children of Israel. We have been given much blessing. Uh, we have been giving uh, many blessings from God in every area of our life, not uh, in our church, in our home, uh, in our country. Praise the Lord, we live in America. Amen? We've been given so many blessings, but hey, why has God given us all this? Not just to pursue or live for vanity of life. Things that will profit nothing. A, a man or a woman who works 40, you know, 30, 40 hours a week uh, cannot just simply stop doing everything and expect to say, Oh God! Uh, will you just provide the money? I've stopped working now. I'm going to live for you. God was not saying this even to the children of Israel. The point was, they lost their vision. They lost their philosophy. They lost their focus. They lost their relationship with God. They'd really, they'd grown, grown cold to the things of God. They were practicing all of the traditions, the culture of the Jewish people. And all the leadership at that time was fulfilling everything that was expected of them above God. Except their heart was not right. Just like soap. Soap will only clean on the, that which is on the outside. It doesn't clean the heart. right? And so here you have the children of Israel. And um, they polished themselves up. They've educated themselves. They knew exactly what to say, when to say. But their concern was not on the right things. I can't help but think of that question. The priests say, the priests are not asking, where is God? And they're the very, that's where it starts, with, with the people of God asking, the, even the leadership themselves are not asking. 
And I say to you, as, as people of Community Bible Church, God has given us all some form of leadership to some capacity. And it should be an a-, a question which we ask in our home and we ask in our church, which we ask in our country. Where is God? How can I make God be present where I am? Where I'm serving Him? Where I'm living for Him? God's not looking and asking for any set of things. He's simply asking us to live for Him. To do what I've created you to do. If, if, if we got what we really deserved, it would be burning in eternal hell. But God has kept us. He's left us on this earth. We come back to the gospel. He's left us back on this. He left us on this earth that others would come to know him. And, you know, the work of the gospel, yes, it is people coming to know and have a saving knowledge of Christ. But yet even further, it's people growing in Christ. We're growing in our relationship now with God. And it's one thing for an individual to receive Christ. It's another thing for individuals as believers to grow in Christ. And what we find of the people of Israel is they just simply stopped growing. They were God's people. They were chosen by God. They were a holy people, a set-aside people. They were everything God had called them to be. But they simply stopped giving God the emphasis. As, as a result, they stunted their growth. They stunted their progression from going forward. And in the end, it was sin. It was disobedience. That's what, that's what uh, Jeremiah is saying here. Hey, just call, uh, call it what it is. You've forsaken God. You've forgotten God. You've lost, you've, you've not, you don't have, any longer have a fear of God as you should. And, and that's not just a problem. It's, 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 it's going to be judged by God. Um, oh, may God uh, use us as his people uh, to, to not have the same fault as the children of Israel did. Um, how can we not but think here the fathers and the leadership was mentioned? Uh, we must think not just of ourselves, but of our children our, and our children's children. The generation that comes behind us. Are we giving God his rightful place, not just for ourselves, but for the people that come behind us. We think as a church, the same applies. Yes, may, may we grow in our relationship with God. May we worship together in this today, this generation, uh, November 2023. But may we also prepare and lay the groundwork for the generation to come. And every generation that comes uh, differs from the next. But if one generation before is one way, the next generation is going to be less. And the next generation after that is going to be less and less and less and less and less. That's why you read in Jeremiah, he says, where are the children? For these things I weep. All of her children, she's, she's widowed. There is no spouse. There is no children. There is nothing to be said. God can't bless any family. God can't bless any church. God can't bless any nation. That doesn't give God his rightful place. Because not giving God his rightful place is disobedience. Uh, giving God all. Giving God everything. I think that's what we have to be honest with ourselves uh, to ask. Is, is, we're not talking about a church membership, church attendance. We're not talking about ministries in church. Okay? Christianity is more than church. Living for God is more than just the church. It's, it's a heart. It's a heart decision. I am so committed, so faithful to God that everything that I'm doing 
I'm choosing to do in the home, in the church, in my country, is because I belong to God. <laughs> it's like a marriage relationship, you know. Uh, why do I have this ring? Well, this says I'm already taken, right? I've already given my life to my wife. There is somebody else. So I'm to keep that promise, commitment, marriage, relationship that I would not give myself to anyone else. So here's the believer. Here's the children of Israel. You're a peculiar people. You're chosen. You belong to me. You were created for me. Community Bible Church, you were created to serve me. The question is, are we? Are we doing that with a heart, a relationship with God? You know, I say this and I'm done, okay? I'm just trying to, just trying to stop. But um, if there was nothing else that existed of Community Bible Church but simply hearts that desired to glorify God through obedience, it's all that God's looking for. Uh, I, any, we think of ministry in the American culture. You know, a church has to have so-and-so, yada-yada ministries, doing all these types of things, praying, you know, deacons, Sunday school, bus route, all these things. But really, God's not looking for all these little details. God's simply looking for people that are willing to say, God, I want to obey you. And uh, sometimes God has to come in and do a little purging, like we talked about this morning. <laughs> that master goldsmith. And he turns the heat up on a family in a home or on a church or on a nation in order so that all the things that shouldn't be there will be removed. And then it's up to God's people to say, God, you purified me, you removed that which should be gone, now I'm ready to be used. May God use this, amen? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, the work of Jeremiah to place ourselves